first time uh, he's been able to be with us. He's an associate pastor of Grace Life Church at Hastings. Uh, Holden Berry has been there, I suppose, about three years now. Before that, he was with Heart Cry Ministries, uh, Paul Washer's ministry. And so would you please welcome Pastor Berry. Thank you. Thank you, Gordon. It's really good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, it's been a while since I've been to Nebraska Christian. I've only visited a couple of times, actually. Had friends when I was in high school. I went to Adam Central, and I had many friends that went here. Um, so it's good to be back. I'm thankful for the opportunity to spend time in God's Word with you this morning. And so we'll go ahead and just jump right in. I'd like to begin by asking you a, a really serious question. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Now, it's, it's not a serious question. It's a silly question. But I want to just get you thinking. So do you want to know what animal I'd be if I could choose? I'd love to be a rodeo bull. A rodeo bull, because I think they get to have the most fun out of any animal. Think about it. They get to buck off cowboys and then watch them go flying and run around an arena and get everyone excited. I also hear that they are some of the most well-taken-care-of animals out there. They get to eat really nice food, good quality food, stay in really nice barns, uh, when their career as a rodeo bull is over, they don't go to the slaughter. They get to go out to pasture and live the rest of their life at ease. So I'd be a rodeo bull. But what if we change the question just a little bit? And instead of what animal would you be if you could choose, what if we ask what animal best represents you as an individual? So that's actually a big difference, right? I don't want to pick on anyone here, so... I'll just use myself as an example. Let's be honest. Instead of being a big, muscly, majestic-looking rodeo bull, I'd be more like a bantam rooster or a miniature horse or maybe a miniature donkey, something like that. What do you think is the animal that best represents you, who you are? Well, thankfully, the Bible is very clear in answering this question for us. God's word in many different places tells us that all of us, all of us are like one animal in particular. We're not big, beautiful lions or horses. No, we're sheep. God's word tells us that all humans, our animal representative is the same, and it is sheep. We are slow, needy, weak sheep. This morning, we're going to look at Psalm 23 together, and I hope that by the end of it, we'll learn a few things about sheep, and more importantly, a particular shepherd. And what we learn about sheep and this particular shepherd, I hope, will make us all become very happy with our animal representative. So I know that Psalm 23, you can go ahead and turn there. It's a very familiar passage for many of us. It's probably the most familiar of all of the Psalms, isn't it? It's certainly one of the most quoted passages, really in all of Scripture, even by people who are not Christians. 
but hopefully that doesn't cause us to approach it this morning with a careless or unhelpful attitude. You guys hear the word of God read all the time. You go to a Christian school, and that is an incredible privilege. I hope that when the word of God is opened, even when Mr. Thiessen read from the Psalms earlier, that it grabs your attention, that you don't just let God's word wash over you unaware. So please, let's not tune out as we go to God's word together. Look with me at Psalm 23. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. And remember, this is God's holy and authoritative word. God's word says this, The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This familiar psalm helps us, particularly in two specific ways. First, it helps us to understand who God is and how he relates to us. He is the Lord, and he is our shepherd. So that's first. It helps us understand who he is and how he has chosen to relate to us. Second, Psalm 23 helps us to remember our rightful place. We are his sheep. We're not just sheep. Get this. We are his sheep. We are not our own. We belong to God. In verse 1, David gives a very concise statement of his theology. So this is his knowledge of who God is. He also gives a very concise yet all-inclusive statement of his trust in this God. Verse 1 is then actually a great summary of the rest of the psalm as David then goes on to further develop his theology, who God is and what he does, which further reveals why David has absolutely every reason to trust in this God. So we'll be spending the majority of our time on verse 1, and we won't go through the whole psalm, but like I read just now, we'll, we'll look at how Psalm 1 spills into or develops out more fully in verses 2 through 4. So let's join David by contemplating who this shepherd is. And may we, like David, glory in the reality of God and our relationship to him. I appreciate the prayer that was prayed at the very beginning, asking God to help us in our worship, not just as we sing, but as we sit under God's word. So right now, you and I are under God's word, and we're looking at it for the betterment of our souls. And I hope that this could be an extended time of worship for us in that. So let's look at the significance of verse 1. So David, who exactly is your shepherd? Oh, he's just a really nice, faithful, hardworking guy. Sounds like a good shepherd, right? 
But that's not what he says. Think of the significance of what he says here. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. The Lord, that should be all capitalized in your Bibles. And it signifies the very name of God himself. I am who I am. There is no other name that is above this name. And this Lord, David says, is my shepherd. This is the very creator God who is over and above all. He alone stands outside of time and limitation. He is too good to describe. He is too holy to comprehend. He is too righteous to approach. He is too magnificent and glorious to even look at. And it is this God, as crazy as it may sound at first, that is not only all of these things, but David says he is my God. He is my shepherd. Wow. But in another and more wonderful way for us as believers, he is our God. Along with David, we have the greatest unrivaled privilege and honor to call God our God. Not because, get this, not because we made God out to be our personal God, but because he made us his people. With this in mind, listen to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. It says, he chose us in him, that is Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. He's our God because he chose us in Christ even before the foundation of the world. And as if it couldn't get any better, look again at Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd. This means that he's not only the one that will judge the living and the dead, the one that we as, we as Christians will worship for all of eternity, but he, as shepherd, is our personal caregiver. He's our personal caregiver who guides and guards his sheep through all of life. This means he takes notice and interest in his own people. He provides and cares for us. This is what is meant by the term shepherd. And this is the main point of this passage. The main point of this passage is the Lord is our personal caregiver who guides and guards his sheep through all of life. The Lord is our personal caregiver who guides and guards his sheep through all of life. Another passage in the Old Testament that sheds much light on this metaphor as God, God as shepherd is Isaiah 40. In Isaiah 40 verse 11, he says, Isaiah writes, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. This is talking about God as he relates to his people. And it's, it should be so beautiful to us. What's being communicated by this metaphor of God as shepherd? It's that he's extremely caring and compassionate. And he has chosen to be personally involved in the lives of his own people. 
The Lord is my shepherd. There's another way in which Psalm 23 can be a huge help to us. Notice the language and tone of this passage as a whole. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads. He restores. He guides. All for what? All for his name's sake. So where's the focus here? Is it on the sheep? Clearly not. Clearly not. The focus is on God. The focus is on the shepherd. He must be our focus. We must focus on God, not ourselves. When our focus is on God rather than ourselves, we actually find that we have every reason to be satisfied no matter what the circumstance. But it's the exact opposite, isn't it, when our focus is on self. When our focus is on self, we begin to be carried away by all the different wants and desires and felt needs that creep in. In fact, most all of our problems come as a result of having the wrong focus. The wonderful thing, though, is that no matter how long we've focused on self in the past, no matter how much you've been focused on yourself even this morning or this week, the moment we begin to focus on him, all of the wanting and feelings and self-awareness start falling away and we begin to be enamored with him. We begin to actually be satisfied, completely satisfied. Now let's look a little more closely at who this shepherd is. So over a thousand years after Psalm 23 was written, the very shepherd himself came down and dwelt among the sheep. God became a man. We just sang about that. God became a man, the man named Jesus from the little town called Nazareth. And even at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, he does something incredible that reveals to us, though in a subtle way, that he is the fulfillment of of that shepherd David was talking about in Psalm 23. Go with me to John chapter 1, verse 43. I want you to see Jesus here as the shepherd that David was talking about. John chapter 1, verse 43 says the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee there he found Philip and said to him follow me I told you it was subtle but can you see the work of the good shepherd here in this verse it is him he's going after one of his sheep it says he found Philip then he called out to Philip and he said follow me this is both the action and the language of a shepherd. Now, if that's not clear enough for you, skip over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Here, Jesus himself explains it to us. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. He says that clearly, I am the good shepherd. 
Now, if you're in John 10, jump down to verses 27 and 28 and look there. Jesus goes on. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Can you see that he's not just the good shepherd in a metaphorical sense? He actually became a man and became that shepherd who went out and found his sheep, every one of them, and called them to himself. He called them to himself. He called them to follow him, and he, and he gave them eternal life, it says. And notice how he says it in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I am. Does that sound familiar? I am the good shepherd. Can you see him as that good shepherd going from place to place during his earthly ministry, calling out to the lost sheep to follow him? It says he found Philip. And he said to Philip, follow me. This is what he did with every one of his disciples and in the same way for us who believe in him, who have repented of our sins and put our faith in him. This is what he did. He went out and found you and said to you, follow me. Hopefully you see from these verses in John how Jesus illuminates for us Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we, those of us who believe and follow him, are his sheep. This is our rightful place. We're his sheep. What's the duty of a sheep? What was a sheep created to do? To follow. Its very nature is one of complete dependence. Dependence upon another for its well-being. Most people assume that sheep are really stupid animals. And that's not entirely accurate. They're certainly not known for extreme intelligence, but that doesn't mean that they're stupid. The problem with sheep and the reason why people think that they're stupid is that they have no sense of direction. Without a guide, they will get lost and begin to wander no matter where you put them. So we see the wisdom of God in referring to his people as sheep. And we saw it in the passage in John from the very mouth of Jesus. But there are also many passages in the Old Testament with this language as well. We're sheep. We're sheep. We're not lions or tigers or bears. All of those animals are quite independent and capable creatures, aren't they? It'd be a lot cooler for us to be one of those. But we're sheep. Why? Because its very nature is one of dependence upon something outside of themselves. In reality, sheep need only one thing. Sheep need one thing. Sheep need a shepherd. That's it. If they have a good shepherd, all their other needs will be met. They were created to follow. And isn't that just like us? We weren't created to be our own masters. We aren't independent beings left to ourselves with no purpose except for the one that we choose for our lives. See, this morning, this is its kind of turning into a lesson in identity for us this morning. We aren't independent beings left to ourselves with no purpose but the one we choose for our lives. No, we were created by God for God. Colossians 1 tells us that all things were created through him and for him. 
And so just like the sheep, our one single need, our one single need is our shepherd. We are creatures that are entirely dependent upon him for everything. And so God's word rightly refers to us as sheep. And this is very helpful to those of us who struggle with needing to be in control or have trust issues. We're not in control any more than a sheep is in control of when and where it eats, drinks, and sleeps. We must trust in God just as a sheep trusts its shepherd. And here's the identity lesson. That is, who are you? What are you supposed to be and do? As young people, the world will tell you that you need to find yourself and then look deep within yourself to discover what you are supposed to be and what you are supposed to do. That is nonsense. So then, who are you and what are you supposed to be and do? God has already answered these questions for us clearly in his word. And any self-discovery that we do must come from God's word. You are a child of God. That is, you are not your own. You belong to God. He made you, and he is in charge of you. And so, what are you supposed to do with your life? Have you ever wondered that? Do you wonder that? What am I supposed to do with my life? God's word is clear. You are supposed to follow him. You are a sheep that must follow its shepherd. It's that simple. The world wants to complicate it and make it this self-absorbed, self-centered quest for identity. But that always, hear me, that always leads to frustration and ultimately failure. So don't do that. Don't fall for that nonsense. It's like when a sheep attempts to be its own shepherd. Bad things happen. Imagine a sheep breaking away from the flock in order to go at it alone. Think of how Psalm 23 would sound if that were the case. It would read something like this. I am my own shepherd. I have many, many wants. I don't know where to go. I'm vulnerable to being attacked. I'm getting hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm stuck in this valley of the shadow of death, and I am terrified. In the same way, whenever we attempt to be our own shepherd, whenever we don't have a spirit of submission to God and his word, but are trying to control everything in our lives, it goes about as well as a sheep trying to be its own shepherd. I am not my own shepherd. Praise be to God. I am not my own shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what does all that produce? We've taken a long look at David's theology of God. He's the almighty, amazing God. He's our God. He's our shepherd. Now, we're going to see David's trust in this God. We're going to see David's trust in this God at the end of verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So David's theology of God produces complete trust and satisfaction in God. Total trust and satisfaction in who God is and what he's done. This begs the question then, what does your theology produce? What is my theology producing? That is, how does your understanding of who God is and what he's done affect your life? Really, think about it. 
what is your theology producing? When we rightly understand who our shepherd is, the only thing we should want ultimately is him and his will in all things. Think about what happens when this is the case. What happens when we can honestly have that attitude and spirit about how we go about our day? When this is the case, we, have, we can say in anything, I shall not want. I shall not want anything, meaning complete and total satisfaction. So as a believer, you never have to be in want, meaning you will never lack anything that you need. The only reason you might find yourself wanting will be if you put yourself there by taking your focus off of the shepherd. There's no need for that, though, ever. A sheep that follows its shepherd will never be in want. Sure, earthly shepherds can get tired and make mistakes that can cost the sheep. But we have a heavenly shepherd who is literally perfect. He never gets tired of leading, and he never makes mistakes. We can follow with total confidence. This might sound overly simplistic to you, but you need to hear it. As long as you are genuinely seeking to follow the Lord and not yourself, you will always be near to him whether you feel it or not. And you will be right in the center of his will for you. He'll never lead you down the wrong path. He'll always protect. He'll always provide. All right, I know that verse 1 took a, a while, but this last part will go faster. So let's look at how this develops more into verses 2 through 4. And here, we find three specific ways in which the shepherd, God, helps and cares for his sheep. Three specific ways. He gives his sheep everything they need. He guides his sheep everywhere they need to go. And he guards his sheep in every way necessary. I found three G's for you, okay? Make it easier. He gives, he guides, and he guards. Now look at verses 2 and 3. These verses have a back and forth element to them. We find God both giving and guiding in both of these verses. So points 1 and 2 are going to go back and forth a couple of times here in 2 and 3. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So here, see, the shepherd gives his sheep everything they need. God gives sustenance. He gives life. Then it says he leads me beside still waters. Here we see the shepherd guides his sheep exactly where they need to go. Verse 3 again, he restores my soul. He gives restoration and life. Then again, he leads me in paths of righteousness. And again, he guides us where we need to go. He gives and he guides. Verse 2, he gives and he guides. Verse 3, all for what? Why is he doing this? He makes it clear. It's all for his name's sake. So he does all of this for his glory. So where should our focus be? Not on the sheep, not on self. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's all for his name's sake. How comforting, though. He gives and he guides. Everything we need, he gives. 
everywhere we need to go. He guides. But now we get to verse 4, the last verse we'll look at. And here the setting takes quite the turn for the worse. If we were left with just Psalm 23, 1 through 3, we'd be tempted to think that David's talking about heaven. But clearly that's not the case. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That sounds terrifying, but look what he says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? What does it say? For you are with me. You are with me. Do you think that verse 4 here is depicting a sheep that has gotten lost and is now wandering helplessly into the valley of the shadow of death alone? Absolutely not. The sheep depicted here is being led through the valley of the shadow of death. Remember, he guides us everywhere we need to go, even through difficult and scary places sometimes, but he never stops leading us. And here's the thing about leading or guiding. In order to lead or guide someone, you must be there with them, right? It says you are with me. This should be a precious, precious statement for us this morning. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Charles Spurgeon, writing about this verse, said this. He said, behold, how independent of outward circumstances the Holy Spirit can make the Christian. Think about that. Behold, how independent of outward circumstances the Holy Spirit can make the Christian. Isn't that good? We can say, I will fear no evil because you are with me. The language of verse 4 is very important. It doesn't say, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, where death is just imminent. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's a big difference. How is that possible? A little sheep stumbling into the valley of the shadow of death and not getting swallowed up. Because that sheep is following its shepherd. And that shepherd is not just any shepherd. He is the Lord. So while we're thinking about the language here, notice then the shift that was made from verses 1 through 3 to verse 4. There's a big shift. Up until verse 4, David has been declaring things about God. He, he, he. But now in verse 4 and through the rest, of the, psalm, the rest of the psalm, he starts actually communicating directly with God. You, you, you. It's as though all these wonderful truths that David was declaring about God just overtake him to where he is led to praising God directly for being so wonderful. In the same way, if your knowledge of God does not produce worship and communion with God outside of your chapel and church time, then something is wrong with your knowledge of God. If your knowledge of God does not produce worship and communion with God outside of your chapel and church time, then something is wrong with your knowledge of God. You need to take a look at it. Now look at the rest of Let's look at the last part, actually, of verse 4. 
He goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here we see that the shepherd guards his sheep. Remember we saw he gives and he guides. Now we see he guards his sheep. Back in the day, shepherds didn't just carry a staff. They carried a rod as well as a staff. The staff was used to direct the sheep. You might have seen like that some of them have a hook on them so they can grab a sheep literally by the neck and pull them in. Staff was used to direct the sheep. The rod was used, it was like a little stubby club, and it was used to literally beat down wild animals or people that would try to steal the sheep. So do not think that God is not fully equipped to guard you in every way necessary. Both are needed. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This means that even when you're in the deepest, darkest valley you've ever been in, your shepherd is still with you. And he's not just with you. It's as though you've been walking side by side or following him closely through green pastures, beside still waters. But then as you approach this valley of the shadow of death, he then steps clearly in front of you. And with his rod in one hand, he's ready to beat down anything that tries to attack you, while at the same time, He's still guiding you and keeping you on, this, on the path with his staff in his other hand. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If the Lord is your shepherd, there is absolutely nothing to fear then. He guards his sheep in every way necessary. And if the Lord is your shepherd, there is absolutely nothing that is lacking because he gives you everything that you need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This God of all creation, he is your God. He is even your shepherd to all those who would believe. He has gone out and found you and called you to himself, and he says, follow me. You're called simply to follow. Now, that sounds nice, and you probably agree with it, but practically, to close, what does that look like? Following God. How do you follow the Lord? You follow, you follow him by hearing his voice. So I'll close by explaining that. You follow him by hearing his voice. Remember in John 10, 27 through 28, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they what? They follow me. You hear his voice by opening up your Bible and reading his word. Just like a sheep Here's the voice of its shepherd and responds. You hear his voice as you read scripture and you follow him by obeying it. It's not rocket science. You are not your own master. You are not some independent creature like a lion or a tiger or a bear. You belong to God. You are a sheep. You were made to follow him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The Lord is always, always speaking through his word. Are you listening? Are we listening? The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. And to everyone who believes, he is your shepherd. He gives you everything you need. He guides you everywhere you need to go. And he guards you in every way necessary. Truly, we shall not want because he is our shepherd. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for not leaving us to ourselves, but being our good shepherd. Thank you for giving us everything that we need. Thank you for guiding us everywhere we need to go. And thank you for guarding us in every way necessary. God, you have been so good, so kind to us. Would you help us to not fall into the trap of self-centered living? Would you help us to hear your voice and to follow you? God, I pray for all of these young people here who get to sit under your word day in and day out. What a blessing. God, would you help them to not squander that? Would you help them by your spirit to be freshly convicted and captivated by your word? I pray that they would not grow so familiar with it that it would be dull to them. So God, would you help in that? I thank you for each and every life that you have created and sustained and placed here. God, would you bless them with more of yourself? And would you bless this place? God, that, that this place would bring you much glory as they seek to follow you. We pray in Christ's name, amen.